As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene, was good? But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show for those who can never know enough about history. I'm Gabe Lussier, and in this episode, we're looking back at a very special 4th of July weekend in New York City. Millions of people had gathered there to celebrate the 100th birthday of the Statue of Liberty, and the party officially kicked off on July 3rd, when the statue was relit for the first time in years. The day was July 3rd, 1986. President Ronald Reagan rededicated the Statue of Liberty in honor of its centennial anniversary. The event was held on Governor's Island in New York City and was part of the opening night ceremonies of a four-day celebration dubbed Liberty Weekend. The country had just completed an extensive three-year restoration of the Statue of Liberty, and the big reveal had been timed to coincide both with the statue's centennial and with Independence Day weekend. Relighting the statue's torch was the opening act of the patriotic festivities, and Reagan was joined in the task by his wife, First Lady Nancy Reagan. French President Francois Mitterrand was in attendance too, a gesture of goodwill from the country that had gifted the statue a century earlier. After giving a 10-minute rededication speech, the president declared it time to, quote, unveil that gallant lady. Then, he and Mrs. Reagan pressed a button, sending a laser beam across the harbor and relighting the statue for all to see. The floodlit unveiling happened gradually, with the light slowly rising from the base of the pedestal to the tip of the crown more than 300 feet in the air. A chorus of America the Beautiful swelled in the background, and all the ships in the harbor turned on their lights and sounded their horns in tribute. Then, to cap off the evening and start the weekend outright, 
a fireworks display filled the skies above the statue's head. In 1982, four years before the statue's centennial, a team of French and American engineers was convened to examine the statue's condition. Their findings weren't good, and it was announced that the statue was in need of major repairs, both inside and out. Shortly after, President Reagan appointed Lee Iacocca, then chairman of the Chrysler Corporation, to spearhead a private commission to help restore and preserve the Statue of Liberty. With that goal in mind, the Statue of Liberty Ellis Island Foundation was founded. The group launched a fundraising drive right away, collecting money for the repair of both the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island, with the statue's restoration to be handled first. The American people believed so strongly in restoring those two monuments to America's immigrant heritage that they contributed more than $350 million in donations. With the necessary funds secured, and then some, the foundation began working closely with the National Park Service to plan and implement the statue's restoration. They hired architects, engineers, and conservators to assess exactly what repairs were needed and then designed a strategy for how to tackle each one. In 1984, the statue was closed to the public, and the true hard labor began. Workers erected scaffolding all around the statue's exterior, obscuring it from view for the better part of the next three years. Time had not been kind to Lady Liberty. Her famous torch, for example, had sustained severe water damage and had to be replaced with an exact replica of Frédéric Auguste Bertoldi's original design. The torch's new flame was even covered in a layer of 24-karat gold so that it would reflect the sun's rays in the daylight, just as the sculptor had intended. Repairs were also made to the statue's internal skeleton. Workers stripped out the rusting iron armature and replaced it with stainless steel bars, greatly strengthening the statue's arms, shoulders, and the rays of her crown. A century of weather, pollution, and tourists had also wreaked havoc on the statue's skin and gown. Workers used liquid nitrogen to remove layers of old paint from the interior of the copper skin, and then they patched holes in the exterior, adding new copper where necessary. Replacing the statue's skin proved tricky, though, as the look of it had changed a great deal since its inaugural dedication back in 1886. When it first arrived, the monument had been new, shiny copper, but as the decades passed, the statue turned a dull brown and then faded to the familiar blue-green color we see today. That weathering was the result of a series of interconnected chemical reactions which changed the statue's mineral composition. It would have been impossible to match the color using brand new copper, so instead, the engineers borrowed an old copper rooftop from Bell Labs, which had the same blue-green patina as the statue. In exchange for that contribution, the lab was given some of the old copper skin for testing. The Statue of Liberty and its pedestal were also modernized during the restoration. Updates included new elevators, improved lighting, and the addition of an educational exhibit in the statue's base. Crews encountered plenty of surprises during the lengthy refurbishment, including several birds' nests tucked into the folds of Lady Liberty's robes. They also discovered graffiti dating back to the statue's construction, including a letter B for Bartholdi, painted on the first copper plate to be installed. However, not all of the surprises were pleasant. 
For example, it turned out Bartholdi had used an asbestos-based substance in an effort to prevent galvanic corrosion. Not only did that not work, it also meant that workers had to wear protective gear with self-contained breathing devices while working inside the statue. Despite this and other obstacles, the nearly 1,000 workers on the project and the architects and engineers who directed them completed the task on schedule and for a lot less money than many had predicted. The total cost of the renovations on the Statue of Liberty and her torch cost an estimated $39 million, which would be about $108 million in today's money. More controversial was the $11 million that New York City spent on the statue's Liberty Weekend celebrations. Many thought the money could have been put to better use than throwing a lavish party, especially since tickets to the opening night ceremonies could only be purchased for $5,000, a price tag well beyond the means of the average American. Accessible or not, the statue's grand unveiling was planned with as much glitz and glamour as possible. David Walper, the producer of the landmark Roots miniseries, was brought in to produce the ceremony for live TV. Celebrity speakers included the likes of Elizabeth Taylor and Gregory Peck, and there were also musical performances from Neil Diamond, Frank Sinatra, and several others. An estimated 2 million people watched the rededication in person, while as many as 1.5 billion watched from their homes in 51 different countries. It had been a long, expensive road to restoring Lady Liberty, but when the climactic moment finally came and she lit up once again, most Americans agreed it had been worth it. And for those who still weren't feeling the patriotic love that night, well, at least there were fireworks. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have a second and you're so inclined, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any feedback you'd like to share, feel free to drop me a line by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays and Ben Hackett for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.